everyone and welcome to the first in our series of The Windmill End, where we will be speaking with various people from around the club about a variety of different cricketing matters. Alongside myself this evening, I have spin legends and social media gurus Nicky Ison and Kevin Room. And with us today is the man who is the most senior member of Upminster Cricket Club in more ways than one. The gentleman in question is the longest serving member of the club's committee and the longest serving club member of any nature, having played his first game for the club against Brentwood some 55 years ago, back in 1965. He's been the club's president now for 31 years since taking over from Don Milne in 1989. And the man in question is, of course, Mr. David Parrish. So, evening, David. And before we start, can just ask how you and the family are and how you're uh, coping with the current uh, situation that we've got going on? Yes, we're all fine. Thank you very much. No problems with anybody in the family or immediate family. Uh, I'm working behind closed doors of a morning, keeping the office going with a limited skeleton staff where we maintain distancing. So we're keeping things up to date. And then afternoons, uh, just coming home and going for a walk. So uh, there we are. Excellent. Kevin, Nikki? I'll start off. First question for you, David. Um, Basically, who and what got you into cricket and what age did you start to play? I first started playing cricket at Upminster Junior School at age 10. Played for the school team when I was 11. Stuart Jubb was a member of the team. We opened the bowling together, so that goes back a long way. It's just a, a natural game to take up and it's all developed from there. What were the, the facilities like at the Bell at that time, Dave? We had a, a concrete wicket uh, just surrounded by a grass. It, it was pretty true. Uh, the bounce wasn't very good. The ball tended to keep rather low. I remember one game we played against Joseph's school. Stuart Jubb took eight wickets and uh, <laughs> a lot of them where the ball pitched. And it just skidded along the ground about six inches above ground level and everyone was LBW. <laughs> or bowling. Sounds like Amherst Park about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When uh, JS retired. Yeah, before we and, and what was schools was schools cricket more prevalent on the curriculum, David? Like obviously, I know it's back popular in schools again now in the last few yes, years. But probably myself and Kevin didn't get much cricket at school. Was that not the case then? No, we had plenty of cricket. I, I played obviously at eleven years of age at Upminster Junior School. I then went to Palmer School in Grays, and it was a very good cricketing school. We had all the facilities we wanted, and you could just play the whole summer right up to the end of July playing uh, house cricket, school cricket, more more than enough games, which was wonderful. It was a great time. I so think after that, um, it was a question of then going into club cricket after that. I joined the club that you've mentioned in 1965. So I played my school cricket up to the end of the term, went on holiday. And the strange thing was I didn't join up the cricket club until the September. It seems a rather strange time to join, <laughs> but I wanted to get in at that time. One of the problems was that the club uh, ran three elevens time. They had a full complement of players and therefore they didn't want to accept too many new players because they couldn't guarantee them a game. But I was lucky to get into the club, I think purely on the strength of our family's association with Peter Glessing, who was a, a playing member at that time. And a number of my colleagues um, were not admitted and went to other clubs like Harold Wood. And that was the way things were in those days. So when you first joined Amistad, um, were they playing mainly friendly 
cricket or were they in a league of sorts? There was no league cricket at all at that time. It was all friendlies. But the great thing about it was that the friendlies were against games we wanted to play. Of course, we went into uh, Kent, Middlesex, Surrey, Hertfordshire. We had a wonderful fixture. We played some of the top sides in those areas. I mean, we played on Southgate. Middlesex played some of their games. We played at Addiscombe. We played on the moat at Maidstone, where Kent used to play. Um, a lot of county grounds around those counties. As one of the minor counties grounds, Richard Stortford, Sawbridgeworth. And that was a great thing about the game, that you could travel to different places. You played on very nice grounds. Not only some of the big clubs, but some of the village grounds. Played a lot of games down in Kent, the country club, Hinesford, went to teams like that and got nice rural grounds. And that really added to the enjoyment of the game. Fantastic. Who, who, who were the standout players at Upminster in the late 60s and early 70s, David? Anyone who's still a, you're in touch with now or, or who you still well, see obviously around the town? Both sadly deceased, uh, Stan Eve and uh, Roger Coble, they were the two standout players. I mean, Stan was a a wonderful player. The discussions a while ago when someone said, who was the best player to play? And of course, the, um, the name of uh, Jimmy Neesham cropped up. I said, well, he's a, a wonderful cricketer and played for New Zealand, but uh, it surprised one or two people. I said that he wasn't quite in the class of Stan E. Only two things about Stan. Firstly, um, he played for Essex as an amateur, first eleven in 1950s, because basically, he had a very good full-time job, didn't want to leave that. Nanty cricketers weren't very well paid in the 50s, so he just played as an amateur. And his first game was against Warwickshire at Brentford. He did incidentally score 120 on his debut. And uh, you can imagine the scene where he is a, a young cricketer out of cricket, first game, goes out to bat. And who is at the other end about to bowl to him? Eric Hollies. And you remember he's um, the chap who bowled out Don Bradman in his last innings for Australia. And Hollies has a stand at Edgbaston named after him. So a very formidable leg spinner. Well, you can imagine Stan being very nervous, but he was a very confident cricketer. And uh, on receiving the first ball from Hollies, he just left his crease, wandered down the track, clipped the ball casually into the onside, strolled an easy single, then turned to Hollies and said, I didn't expect to receive the googly first ball, Eric. <laughs> Read it think, off. About one upmanship, but that's, that's what happened. And one more story I'll tell you about Stan. I was playing a game over at Hutton. Um, we were batting 45 minutes to tea, hadn't got enough runs. I was number 11 and walked out to the middle. And he walked up to me and he said, um, He said, We need to get some more runs. He said, um, He said, We'll take a single off the last ball of every over. You just run. Trust me. And I'll never forget those words to this day. Trust me. Long story short, I didn't face the ball for six hours. The man, the man was a genius. He could just put it where he wanted to. He could put it into it short, he could play it long, he could play it into the gaps. He, he was just a genius. He scored a thousand runs every season when he played a full season at the age of 50 and picked up a bat since September. Last season at the age of 50, went out at Stevenage. First game, damp cricket, scored 100. Uh, and scored a thousand runs at the age of 50. So, need I say any more? Roger, genius in his own way, um, a sad loss at the age of 69 a few years ago, but very talented and an excellent man. 
He brought a lot of success to the club and uh, he was certainly a standout player. So those are the two, I think, the two that really stood out. And, and for those that don't know, David, I, I know Kevin knows and Nicky probably knows, but some others in my... Roger, of course, brother of Dave Cobill, who's known to uh, many many current club members and, and people over the years who also played for the uh, for the club for a while, and a lot of people will know. Absolutely, of course. So they were twin brothers, and uh, you couldn't have uh, two people more unalike in the sense that Roger was very extrovert and uh, talkative, whereas Dave was rather sort of quiet and reserved. But uh, absolutely, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. David, there was a good article in the um, recorder last week from um, Lawrence Weeks of Hornchurch Athletic recording that Sunday cricket was the equal of Saturdays um, and it also mentioned that Arminster held out from joining the leagues. What, why was that and what was the standard that was played on Sundays? Well Sunday cricket was pretty good. We, again we had the choice of fixtures, we had probably not quite as strong as Saturdays but uh, still a good list. The problem was that we were not in the league and there were various sort of political reasons in the back, I think, that precluded our presence. We had to carry on playing friendly cricket until we eventually we were admitted to the Essex League. Um, this did cause problems at one stage during the middle 70s because, uh, you know, players wanted to play league cricket. We were struggling for numbers. We were struggling so much that we were in, having difficulty getting two 11s out on a Sunday. It was that bad. We even started talking about maybe a merger with another club. Fortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, we started the youth cricket program then. Dave Kerbal set it up. John Sutton must take huge credit getting that off the ground. And I think that's really what um, uh, laid the foundation for the strength of the club we know today. How would you... In the prof Go on, sorry, Nick. How, how would you compare to... Um, the cricket that was played, say, in the 70s and as you approach the 80s to what you see when you go over the park now on the Saturday and, and watch the first seven, how would you compare these, the standard and the way it's played? Well, firstly, I would say that I'm not one of those people who says it was better in my day because it wasn't. There are some things now that are better and some things not so good. If we look on the positive side today, certainly equipment is better. You look at back day they're, they're designed in such a way that you've only got to sort of tap it five to six whereas when I was playing that's were more like matching it was a more a question of uh, you had to time the ball you had to place the ball you, you couldn't go for the big shot um, and cricket balls are better in when we started there were a lot of imported cricket balls they were like cannonballs <laughs> they took the edges off your expensive cricket bat they weren't too popular uh, and generally wickets more batsman friendly. When I was playing, some of the wickets were a little bit iffy, and there's no doubt Upminster in the late season was a rather, it wasn't a dangerous wicket, but it was a bit difficult. We had a chap there, Geoffrey Edwards, who was the quickest bowler um, I've encountered in club cricket, and he played for us and not against us. And he put the fear of God into opposing bats, all would rear up. Remember, no helmets, safety gear, gloves weren't as good as they were. It was a quite a frightening prospect. I can tell you that the most frightening experience I had in the field, exactly fear, but it was um, anticipation of what might happen. I was fielding one slip, the first slip one day to Geoffrey Edwards. And I said to the wicketkeeper, John Woodrow, I said, if it comes off, the, you take it, so I may not see it. 
I was closer to the boundary than the stumps, and the ball was flying. And I was just concerned that if it flew in my way, it was going to hit me before I get my hands to it. It was that quick. So that, that, what happened? But today, conditions much that. better. I think the, the spirit of the game maybe isn't quite what it was. In the friendly days, it was customary to stay behind a lot longer and socialise with the opposition, whether at home or away. I think it's a bit disappointing when you see a lot of teams over in the park, as soon as the game's over, they pack their bags and go home. I think that's disappointing. I think you should afford the courtesy to your host and at least have one drink, socialise to some So I think that's one thing perhaps where things aren't quite. But uh, overall, I think the general standard of the game is, is very much as it was. I think one of the main differences is that when I started, every team you played, they tend to have one or two star players. Um, the rest were good cricketers, but most teams have one or two people who stood out. Whereas today, I don't think we quite see that quite so much as more of a sort of levelling up. Mm. And that's one thing I have noticed. You, you mentioned the social side there, David, or, or, or teams, certain clubs, which I think Nicky, Kevin and myself would all agree with. I think our club's still more sociable than uh, the many. What, how was the club, our club, socially in the sort of 70s and 80s? Were, were there lots of characters about and, and did people stay for a drink and, and was it a good, good social scene back oh, then? It was, it was a wonderful social side. I think people were taking to play uh, over the uh, May and August bank holidays. We had uh, all-day fixtures against Leon C, one home, one away. And people just queued up to play three days on the trot. A lot of social things that went on. Um, one of our members, Robin Dales, used to have, his parents went on holiday, had a party, quite a civilised thing, but, you know, wives, girlfriends went along, these things went on all night. I remember one day, I think it was a Saturday, and it went on, and someone cooked breakfast. And Nash went home, sort of uh, about, I know, five, six in the morning, picked up his gear and uh, set off for the all-day game the next day without even bothering going to bed, you know. That was the sort of spirit of the age, if you like. Yes, it, it, was, it was a good spirit. We've got a good spirit now. There's no difference in the spirit at all. I think we're one of the clubs that has a good spirit and that's carried forward. And I think that's wonderful. I can't say every other club is the same. Yeah, that's true. There's far, far too many clubs now. I think players just either want to play for a quick buck or just to play a... a Something to do, and then as soon as the game's done, off the bags uh, and off they go. It's a big shame, really, because we're there. We're trying to have fun. We have a few clubs who are probably on the same with us, like Chelmsford or with the Wells, who are always quite sociable and enjoy. Um, I mean, we we enjoy their company off the game and and during it as well. But then you can probably name four or five clubs who, as soon as the game's done don't say a word to you and it's a big shame and it's I think the 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 main thing about you know playing a sport and playing in a league and against other teams is to have that sort of um post game chat chat have a beer and uh dissect what's just happened and and why we've lost again I agree I, I think you know we, we do have a good social side I can remember the early days we went away sometimes they'd have a a band. I mean, we played the Times newspaper on their ground, and uh, sometimes they'd have a a band playing. You know, they've got a stage in there, um, a big pavilion, good facilities there. And we'd stay behind and uh, 
have a whale of a time with them. And that was the sort of spirit of the age, if you like. Talking to social events, David, you've been one of the uh, very generous sponsors of the benefit matches since these began in, in 1997. And, and like I say, you, you've sponsored all of those that we've had over the last sort of 23 uh, years, as well as being our, our president uh, and, and, and looking after everyone on the, on the day of the benefit matches very generously. What, what any of those particular benefit matches like stick in your memory or any players that Essex have brought along that, that it was great, you thought it was great to see playing at Upminster Park? Well, I think it was wonderful. We've, we've just seen so many great players. I mean, in the early days we had Nasser Hussein coming along. I remember the day we held the Peter Such benefit, he'd just been chosen for the uh, England party to go to Australia, if I remember rightly. And that was a, a good situation because BBC News uh, recorded that and uh, I think the Cricket Club appeared on the BBC News that evening. Uh, in terms of other games, Ronnie Irani, I know he was a very popular chap and I think some got over the ball and he went up and just uh, consoled him and gave him a sweater. You know, it's those sort of touches. The Alistair Cook game must have brought stand out because he was there all day. I don't think the end of the game was a single person on the ground seeking an autograph or a photograph. And, you know, he just came over as an extremely nice young man and uh, great credit to the game. Definitely. And, and, and do you feel a, a, a bit of sadness now that there's almost the having a benefit match is now a very much an irregular thing amongst the county circuit and we don't have that sort of focus on one player on the day anymore and now it's more about the, um, like someone like um, a Ryan Tenderscott would be perfect for it and he's a great lad and he'd be someone who we would really like to uh, to do one for but it seems to be uh, a reluctance so much players now to do it. Yeah, I think part of it, uh, I think maybe with Ryan, that uh, he felt that he'd been well remunerated through his uh, uh, one day games in India. Mm -hmm. I think he felt that maybe it was a uh, being a little bit greedy to seek a benefit, which is a great credit to him, I think, from a financial viewpoint, he felt he was well provided for. And um, I, I think it's a, an honourable thing that these games are played in aid of the Essex Cricket Foundation, which is a very worthy charity. Uh, it still attracts the players who will come along and support it. It's been well supported by the Upminster public. So, um, no, I, I think whoever it is in aid of, I think it's good that we hold these benefit games. There may well be players in the future who will receive a benefit and uh, and come over. You know, the name Tom Wesley, for example, is one mm -hmm. name and frame who might uh, come along in the future. So I think the fact that we're holding benefit matches, I think that's a great thing. I think it really sells up into cricket club to the general public. We do well. I think we are well regarded within Upminster. I think that is um, very gratifying. Definitely. Definitely. Just called question on the um, committee side of thing. Obviously, you've been president since um, 1989. How has the yes. um, general makeup of the committee changed over, over the years? What, what was it to start with? And there seem to be more people in there now, but obviously with all the extra stuff that goes on. We still had, um, I suppose, a committee of about a, a dozen at all times, and uh, obviously evolved over the years. We still had the main officers, obviously secretaries, treasurers, um, fundraising, all those sort of things, catering. So it, it hasn't changed that much. I think um, 
maybe today we've got a few more people involved. Um, but certainly I think the committee has a lot more to deal with than in the early days. When we were playing friendlies, we were very much a law unto ourselves, who we played, how we played the game. Now there is so much form filling, bureaucracy, and everything else that goes with it. I think this applies to all clubs. I think this is a great sadness because we're all there. We're all playing as amateurs. We're playing for the fun of the game. Uh, it's supposed to be something outside work where we can relax. Yet all these um, bureaucrats do this, that and the other. It's almost like a, a full-time job. And I think this is something at some stage that clubs have really got to turn around and say, now look, this is getting a little bit too much. I'm sure the likes of Pecky and Middle will definitely agree, mate, as they spend <laughs> more time on club stuff than they do the actual jobs. How well, there are, there are members in this club who give so much of their time and we must, uh, you know, hold our, our hats to them because they do a tremendous job. A lot of people do a huge amount of work. The question of how much of that work is unnecessarily created just to satisfy, you know, people who haven't got anything to do with their time. Maybe I'm a little bit outspoken. I feel quite strongly about this. Talking of the modern game, David, and how things are now, you, you obviously, uh, I was lucky enough to play on the main ground last year, and, and I know you're a regular over the club still uh, every Saturday pretty much, uh, whether it's the first team or the second team at home, you're always there lending your support, chatting to members, uh, seeing how the club is doing, see, seeing how people are performing. It, Within the first team, over the, say, last sort of five, ten years, you mentioned Jimmy Neesham, obviously, he, he's a real standout. But over the five, ten years, who else from the first team has stood out and impressed you and, 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 and has done good things for the club on the pitch? I think if you, you've got to look at the sort of longevity of the, the team. And I suppose one man who stands out is John Curtis, because he's carried on opening the bowling for quite a number of years. And, uh, you know, he's one of these players who gives his all to the cause. And I think he's one person you know I, I look up to in terms of what he, he contributes. There are a lot of other people, you know, perhaps who haven't been there all that long. You've got to look to Shabazz Butt, I mean, how he did. Really, I think some of his innings were quite outstanding. Hasn't been over a long period of time, but obviously a standout player. Ollie has done a great job, both as a bowler and uh, as, a, as a captain over the years. I think you must you know, recognise that. So there are quite a few people out there who've um, done a great deal of work. You know, Terry Wyatt, for example, wholehearted player. I look back in the past, although he's played at a lower level, Andy Berry. Now, where can you find someone who was a better outfielder than Andy you know, when he was at his peak, a tremendous fielder? So all these people have given a lot of time to the club and um, they perform well. And I think that's what we all want to encourage. We want people to stay with the club. I think we don't get... There are too many changes. I don't like it's people sort of in and out the club. It doesn't tend to sort of demonstrate a degree of stability within the club. We want a stable club. And I think if people stay and they commit to the club, then um, everyone's happy. Absolutely. There are plenty of other people I'm sure I haven't mentioned, but uh, many people have contributed greatly. And, and should the first team get out up there this year, David, and obviously we don't know uh, how that's going to pan out, whether there'll be a shortened season or a season starting later or half a season or whether any league cricket will take place. Obviously, we're all in the, in the dark at the moment. But under uh, 
under Alan Iceland's leadership as he's back at the helm, how do you see the first team going after a couple of maybe leaner years that we've had? I, I think we will, you know, we will gradually improve. I don't think with any club you can expect to have a sort of rapid improvement, but I think there'll be a gradual improvement because everyone is becoming a little bit more experienced. Some of our better younger players are graduating through the 11s and they're going to filter into the first team on stage. And having Alan there is going to considerably enhance the strength of the batting. So I'm fairly positive about it. I think looking at it realistically, if we can get some cricket towards the end of um, August, we then ought to play the whole of September. We get an opportunity just to get some cricket in because I think after this um, uh, virus, hopefully uh, the restrictions are lifted, people will just want to go out and play. And whilst we won't be necessarily playing for points or league positions, I think just to get out and play the game. So therefore, I think if we do get the chance, we should play or ought to play until the end of September. Definitely. And, if, and if, 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 if that is the case, we have a very much a half, half a season. I think there'll be some um, clamour for more mid-week mid games of the club to try and make it, try and almost make up for the weeks we've lost. And hopefully people will buy into that and we can arrange some sort of uh, comp with other clubs around the area would be um, a, pr a pretty good way to uh, one to link link up again with the clubs near us like Hornchurch and Arda Green and stuff and for us to get some cricket over the park. I agree. I think if we can arrange some midweek stuff, uh, some inter-club games, um, play quite a few Sunday games against uh, other local sides. So at least we're playing two days each week um, because people, I think there's going to be a demand from people to want to be out there. And it may well be that we will have no difference in filling the 11s uh, at that time. Yes. Hopefully we'll be doing pretty yeah, well. Let's hope with a, a nine-week season, if, if that is it, we'll have, uh, as as a captain, there'll be no no availability issues and, we have, and we're not spending our Friday nights at 6pm texting around, asking for favours. Hopefully everyone will be very keen and enjoy very much a, a shortened season. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I would rather like to think that when the teams are picked on a Monday evening that uh, everyone on a Saturday and Sunday will turn up and uh, with great enthusiasm. So uh, let's hope so anyway. And with like, looking towards the future, how do you see club cricket going? Do you think will be could there be a stage where time games become um, dormant and they play more 2020 games on a Saturday? Or do you think there's enough... Um, appetite for the current format of a one day and a time split? I think there's enough um, demand for the game as it stands. I think the only negative point is that the national press are reporting that the number of people playing the game has dropped, a matter of time concern. Um, clearly 2020 has its place, but I think people would prefer, if they're true cricketers in the real spirit, they would prefer to play the proper game some 2020 as well. Probably a bit of a mixture. But I'd hope as far as leagues go that we can keep the present going into the future. Let's hope so. And talking of the future, David, what, uh, what do you, uh, as, uh, as you uh, said earlier, you watch the first team and, and you've, you're always a regular over the club and, and you see what's going on. Not, not just with the first team, but the club as a whole. How, how do you see the next five to ten years panning out for for Upminster, bearing in mind what Nicky said there about 
the structure of cricket and, and you, you yourself said that uh, the articles and information in the press about declining numbers playing, but that, that's not the case at our club, thankfully, at the moment. No. How, how do you see the next five to ten years panning out for Upminster? Well, I think as long as we can continue developing our, our youth cricket, bringing forward the best players, you know, hopefully into the first 11, I think that the future is bright. I think other clubs who don't have the same... Um, structure in terms of youth cricket are going to find it more difficult. I think as far as we're concerned, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about the future. I just hope that uh, members show that enthusiasm to play, make themselves available. Uh, it would be very nice if we can get back to some more Sunday cricket, you know, two games a weekend. I think if people were prepared to play that, that's what I'd like to see a bit more you know, devotion to Sundays as well. Yeah, let's hope because I mean, I think us us three here love playing on on Sundays, whether it's a away fixture somewhere in Middlesex or Surrey, or whether we we host them sort of teams or the Sunday league itself. It's a it's, it's a great way to play a fun game without the pressures of a Saturday league. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Actually, I think some people might favour the idea of a more of a friendly structure. Sunday and perhaps reverting to the way things were when I first started, meaning that you can pick your fixtures and go to some rather nice rural grounds and play some uh, some fun cricket, and that might add a, another dimension to the game. But uh, obviously, we've got the Sunday League as well, but I think we could fit round that initially and just see how it unfolds. Definitely. And just uh, away from Upminster, just to finish with David, uh, what 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 do you make of what Essex have achieved over the last? Uh, sort of three or four years from, from being mid-table or even struggling in Division 2 to winning the championship twice in three seasons uh, and the T20 victory, obviously, uh, this last year. Uh, what do you make of their achievements and, and how they've done that? And including a lot of players who you will have seen playing against our boys over at Upminster over the last sort of 10 years. I think uh, Essex have, have come on leaps and bounds. I think great credit to Chris Silverwood initially and now, Anthony McGrath, who is the head coach, I think they've got the structure right, that they've recruited a large number of players out of club cricket. I think that's wonderful that um, they've got this sort of spirit in the side that has really evolved because they've all gone through the, the club structure. Um, there was an article in The Telegraph this week um, about Essex, and I think Arfan Akram commented about uh, you know, his role in uh, cricket in the community. But one point he made was that uh, before they played Somerset at Thornton in that final game last year, about the weekend before, nine of the team turned out and played for their clubs on the previous weekend. It just shows you the commitment of those players. I think they've done really well. I've got, they've got the structure right. I hope financially they'll be strong enough to uh, recover from this uh, present situation where I think a lot of clubs are going to suffer. Another article in the National Press suggested that it might be the bigger clubs with the, uh, the test match grounds that might suffer more because the cost of running those grounds without cricket is disproportionately high, whereas Essex probably don't have those same overheads. So it's an interesting one. But no, I think they've done really well. Essex have been well led by Ryan Dennis Garza, who's an example. I'm sure Tom Wesley will carry on the good work. I think... Um, they're moving in the right direction. I think there's no reason why they can't continue to be successful in the next few years. Definitely. Excellent.
Mm -hmm. David, it's been great chatting to you this evening. I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say uh, brilliant, not just to hear your memories of games and events from previous years and from your playing years, but also to hear your enthusiasm and positivity about, positivity about the club's present day status and the club's future. So thank you for, uh, for sharing all that. Well, thank you, Paul. It's been very nice to sort of talk and thank you for your questions. I think, um, you know, I, I try to be positive about most things. I think we are very much a positive club. We've got a lot of committed people and uh, long that remains. Thanks, David. And stay safe, everyone. Uh, and hopefully we'll all be back together playing some cricket and having a beer at the club before too long. We look forward to that. Yes, hope. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, all the best. Cheers, guys. Very good. Good to talk to you all. Good to Cheers, talk David. To you. Bye. 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 Cheers, Nick. Cheers, Tom. Take care, Cheers, David. All the best. Cheers, mate.